0: a good friend of mine hello and welcome to the huntsman world senior games active life my name is kyle case and i'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot jeff harding jeff how you doing today
1: I am doing well, Kyle, and how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Great. You're yeah. looking well, except for the, maybe the always
0: on your face. <laughs> well, wrestling practice has started. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, my face tends to get beat up. I found as I get older, like, I bruise more easily, and my skin is thinner, and, and it's, it's just... Ju- it's
1: just a start, Kyle, because you're still young. Yeah,
0: it's only just the beginning, but, uh, but I'm, I feel, I mean, it, let me just say, the... Injury on my face, which I, I know the radio audience can't see, it, it doesn't hurt at all. No. I will say, though, every other muscle in my body still
2: <laughs> <Did> <laughs> is you, hurting right did now. Because you started you start yeah. exercising again. Yeah.
0: So uh started to practice on Monday, but it's going good.
1: I do find it interesting that there are people in our office who are willing to take credit for those hours on your face instead of letting the wrestling team have the, owies,
0: the credit for the always on your face. Yeah. All part of the fun, right? Yep. So, Jeff. Yes, sir. Here's what I want to start off with today. Okay. Uh, tell me if you think this is true. It seems like, it seems like to me, are are the wrong answers? No, no. (laughs) I just, I'm just curious what you, what you think, but it seems to me like society at large seems to harbor, uh, I don't know. It feels like a collective goal of limiting human connection as much as possible. I think you're right right now. Do you, do you feel that way? I mean, we ask people, not you and I, of course, Jeff, but but, but people ask others out on a date by using an app instead of striking up a conversation with them in real life. Right. Uh, we board planes, doing everything we can to avoid eye contact with right. our seatmates. We're, right. we're maybe afraid that they have this crazy idea, like they want to say hello to us or something. <laughs> and so we don't make any eye contact with them. Right. You know, we place our restaurant orders ahead of time so we can just walk right up to the pickup window, pick it up and head out. Or have it delivered. Have it delivered. That's right. Um, we, don't, we don't want to stand in line and talk to people. No. If we do, though, we certainly want to have our earbuds in and our eyes down on our screen right. so we don't have to interact with people. Or if, if we if we talk to somebody, it's, it's text them. We don't actually call them and talk to them on the phone. Absolutely. That's a, that's another thing that we tend to do. Listen right. to this. There's a couple of things that I thought were interesting. Starbucks okay. recently opened its first pickup-only location in New York <laughs> City. So once wow. again, no no standing lines, no talking to people. Listen to this one. This one's even crazier to me. Uber. You know right. what Uber is. Right. Uber rolled out a quiet mode earlier this year. So when you call your Uber car, you can click a little checkbox that says, I don't want to talk to the driver. I want the driver to be quiet. Wow. (laughs) Like, like that's, that's a little extreme to me, I think. Yeah. And on top of that, there are barber shops and and beauty salons around the nation that are now offering quiet chairs where you can (laughs) sit still and get your hair cut or your hair curled without having to talk to the, uh, to the, uh, the hairdresser. Uh, and, And of course, maybe those are exceptions, maybe those are outliers, but it does feel like as human beings, as culture, for some reason, we're trying to. It seems like we're shying away from human interaction. Do you feel like that's true? I, I
1: think that's true, but I also think that people feel like there's something missing in their life. They can't figure out what it is, but it's kind of obvious.
0: Exactly right. Here's the here's the thing. All these exchanges that we're trying to avoid as as human beings, all these visits with the baristas at mm-hmm. the uh, coffee shop or your airline seatmates, like they do serve a purpose. Of course, they, they do. do serve a purpose. So a couple of things to think about, whether we're with strangers or with people we know, psychologist Ellen Hendrickson, who is a PhD, she says uh, social connection is important for all humans. She says we're social creatures and loneliness, like you said, Jeff. Loneliness is a symptom of something being wrong. She says, when we're hungry, our bodies tell us that we need to eat. You feel that, right? right. When you're tired, your body tells you you need to sleep. And when you're lonely, that's actually your body telling you that you need to connect with people. Wow. And uh, apparently, you mentioned earlier, Jeff, but apparently connecting via text or social media doesn't satiate that need no no there, well there's
1: you're not connecting i mean right right you're not, you're not literally connecting you may be communicating but you're not connecting
0: yeah we, we may tell ourselves that we are we may think mm-hmm. oh i connected with 10 people today because i sent them a text message but there is something about seeing people face to face that helps us have authentic human connections that's according to psychotherapist and author amy morin uh she says that many people have human connections built into their daily lives like they live at a home with family members or they have a workplace, but the number of people who live alone or who work remotely are both growing. Right. So for these demographics, specifically a spontaneous conversation with the person behind them in a grocery store might be the only audible conversation that they have in a day. Right. Right. Uh, And we need to connect. We do. There's a recent study from BYU that found that social isolation is as unhealthy as alcoholism or is as unhealthy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it may cause those two other things. You never know, (laughs) it may. But we're built to interact. We're built to interact. So the question is, how do we maximize human connection in a society that supports limiting it? And I got a couple of ideas. We're great. And they're not hard. They're not hard. They're They're just just simple, common sense sense things. Uh, One way Dr. Hendrickson suggests doing this is to find a means of connection regarding something you already care about. Mm -hmm. So for some people, that may be a religious organization. It might be a social rights issue that you really believe in. It could be a hobby or a sport, for example. Or or multiple sports. (laughs) Or multiple sports. Uh, You could also strike up conversations with people when you're running errands. And doing that can really transform an otherwise robotic task into a social interaction. You might consider joining a run club. Right. which transforms something that is often a solo activity into more of a social meetup. So, mm-hmm. so there's not only the physical aspect, but the social aspect as well. But here's the thing. The science is clear that social interaction is a major part of well-being. It is. Even if human connection isn't an issue for you, and it's not for all of us. Some, no. some of us you know, have, a, have an easy opportunity to mm-hmm. interact with people. Uh, but if someone in your Zumba class, Jeff... Wants to strike up a conversation? Don't run and hide. <laughs> yeah, just don't talk dance to them. Don't D- dance don't away. Don't dance away. Just talk to them. Uh, that might be the most meaningful part of your entire day.
1: That's right. Or if you're at a, if you're at a, sitting at a banquet
0: table, introduce yourself to the peop- other people at the table and, and have a say, hello, how are you? And ask them some questions. Maybe you're there for a work meeting or whatever it is. Right. But yes, reaching out and having that social interaction, it, 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 we need it. Our we brains do. need we it. Do. Our souls need it. We need to interact, and and we do live in a world that tends to minimize those interactions, so we need to take advantage of them. So, Kyle, is there
1: anybody else that we could interact with today, do you think?
0: <laughs> I, I'm hoping that we can. Today's guest is a friend and a longtime athlete of the Huntsman World Senior Games, but there's more to it than that, Jeff. Eric Johnson is not only an athlete at the Huntsman World Senior Games, which he is, but he also competes in events all around the nation and around the world. Among other records and distinctions, Eric was recognized as the best of state, as the male athlete here in the state of Utah. And listen to this, Jeff. This is a big one. Yes. Eric set a goal to surpass 2,020 medals earned in his lifetime before the year 2020, which is just around the corner, which is just around the corner. Well, welcome, Eric. Hello. Hey, Good to we're
2: hear from you guys.
0: We're wondering if you reached your goal.
2: Uh, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> last July, I uh, surpassed my goal at the Elko Senior Games in Nevada.
0: Wow. So I, I want to get into this goal just a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, when did you decide that? Hey, I, I'm going to set this crazy. Crazy goal of earning over 2,000 medals in uh, the sporting events of my choice. When did that occur to you?
2: Well, back in my 40s, uh, it was probably about, about 2009. Uh, I thought, well, maybe I have a shot at it. If I keep on pace uh, to what I've been achieving each year, then, uh, then I would actually have a shot at it. But I'd have to stay healthy. And have a lot of things work out for me in order for that to happen, and I was lucky enough to just be 59 medals away going into 2019 um, uh, to see, to take a shot at it.
0: So you've been doing this for quite a while. You've been you've been tracking and had this in mind for a number of years.
2: Yes, yes, I have.
0: Wow! And then you find at the beginning of 2019 that you're. About sixty fifty nine medals away, and you say, "Hey, yeah. I'm almost there. I'm going to do it."
2: Yeah, so, I I plan out my season before the year calendar year starts, and and I just start uh, going for it. And so, hope to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and and that's so important. That's so important because um, you have to do multiple events a year in order to rack up those medals, and I think it's important to remember that. Eric, it's not just that you have to participate in multiple e- events during the year. you got to win medals at them. You to win something, yes. <laughs> you you yes, can't just show can't, up because these, <laughs> these are not participation medals. You've got to actually earn these. So I'm, I'm curious, Eric, on an average year, how many events do you attend and participate in?
2: Well, some years I'll do as many. Uh, I've done as many as 15 track meets in a year. Uh, and, as, and about the same in road races of half marathons and 5 Ks and 10 Ks uh, around the country. Um, but uh, uh, this year I think I did I think I did 10 track meets uh, and race walk events and another uh, probably at least another 10 road races.
1: Wow. So obviously in the, in the track, field, track and field events, you're winning multiple medals and multiple, multiple events in the track and field event.
2: Yes, I, I've won uh, 84 medals this year so far, uh, <laughs> with one uh, more 5K to go on Thanksgiving Day.
0: Wow. So you're uh, even, even though you surpassed your goal, you're continuing to move on. Um, I want to talk about your track and field experience. Um, you, I know, Eric, I know that you're a race walker. That's kind of your specialty, and I yeah. want to get into that in just a minute. But before we touch on that... Tell me about the events that you compete in in track and field aside from the race walking.
2: Well, I'll do, uh, besides the race walking, I'll run sprint events. Uh, I've been high, uh, high, uh, as high of rank as number one in the world in short distance sprinting uh, in my 40s and 50s. Um, I'll do high jump, long jump, triple jump, javelin, shot foot, discus. Um, I'll run the hurdles. I was a national champion hurdler in 2009, Um, and and I I try and do it all. I'm more like a decathlete, and and right now I'm working on learning how to pole vault.
0: (laughs) Well, you might as well, right? You've basically covered every other event, so why not? How how amazing is
2: that? Yep, and and the reason why I want to... Uh, I want to try and and start specializing a little bit more in the pole vault. Is it's something I haven't competed in uh, since high school, but also um, I I have during my racing career I, I've reached All American in uh, sprinting, hurdling, uh, long distance running, and I've been an All American at every distance from a 5K through the half marathon and also race walking. And the only other category left to be all American at is is a field event, and so if I can get all American in a field event, I'll be the first person to be all American in every category.
0: Wow! wow. Really? That wow! That's impressive, Eric. That is and amazing.
2: So, that's what I'm shooting for.
0: Well, what an incredible goal! What a what a way to. Uh, put yourself in a position to be successful, but then to work very hard for it and to achieve that success. You're listening to the Huntsman. Sorry, Eric, let me just quick get this in there. You're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, and we're visiting with amazing athlete Eric Johnson, who has been involved in sports really all, all of his life and uh, has kind of focused in on the the running and the track and field events. Um, but he's just making a change to pole vault. Yeah. which is, pole vault. Which is, yeah, that's, that's one of those field events in track and field. So you l- let's talk about that for just a second. You you do have a base, right? You said you you started pole vaulting in high school. Yes. So you've at least done yes. it before, but that's been a while yeah. ago.
2: It's been a while, and I have a friend that's an all-state pole vaulter here in the state of Utah that is uh, helping me uh, get going again at it. And and so over the winter months, I'll be working on the technique of that and lifting and getting my strength up. And then in the spring, I'll actually start uh, competing in meets and see how I do and, and take my shot uh, at All-American. It seems like whatever I can put my mind to and focus in on, I can achieve. And so that's, that's what I'm going to be doing this coming season is that will be one of my areas of emphasis when I compete.
0: Wow. So I've got to say, I... I am absolutely not a pole vaulter, uh, but I used to run an event called the Utah Summer Games. And when I was the director there, I would let the participants, the athletes, choose a sport for me to compete in. And of course, they always tried to find the hardest thing that they could possibly come up with. And (laughs) pole vault happened to be one of those things. So I've actually pole vaulted at the Utah Summer Games. It's been been years ago now. And I'm going to say there's more to it than you think when you watch, when you watch pole vaulting at the Olympics or, or at a track meet, the people who are vaulting make it look easy, (laughs) but I can tell you from experience, it is not. Do you, do you agree with that, Eric?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I really have some good people that are training me right now. I have a former Olympian, uh, Bill Schiffenhauer, who was a, an NCAA champion decathlete. Um, and uh, he is uh, working with me right now on uh, on my pole vault technique, and hopefully I'll learn from one of the best in America in his print.
0: Well, it sounds like that's what you're doing, and and again, I think it's important or or at least worth emphasizing that there is a lot of technique. You oh, there is. You think well, it looks like all they do is run, and then they, you know, that pole just bends them, and then just flips them over. But wow, it's there's more to it than that. I, I can attest to that. So kudos to you and best of luck in your training and in your competitions. I, I think that's wonderful. Do you have any goals and in, in how, how you want to clear?
2: Well, I, I would like to go 13 feet eventually is something that I have in my head. And so we'll see, uh, see how I do this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a pretty good training regimen right now for upper body strength and, and, um, and and I, as as you know, I I do high jump, and so I I have some springs still left in me, <laughs> and so I'm hoping all of them together is going to make a good pole vaulter.
0: Well, again, that's that's amazing, and I just want to again, I I know a lot of times we throw these numbers out there, and it's hard without a point of reference. But if you'll if you'll just think about what 13 feet is, like you think, well, what's 13 feet? That is that high? Is it not? Is it what is it? Think about a basketball standard. We've all seen a basketball standard. Mm -hmm. If you're standing underneath a basketball hoop and you're looking up, you know, most of us can't touch that. No. When we reach up, many, many of us can't touch that when we jump up. No, no. And and 13 feet is 10 feet above that. And it's not 10, it's three feet. Excuse me. Thank you three feet above that. So that's 13 feet, but Eric's not just trying to jump up and touch it with the bottom, you know, touch the bottom of it with his hand. He's got to get his entire body over that pole. So what a great goal. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Now, now I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about your race walking and I do want to touch on that just a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, race walking has kind of been one of your specialties. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you been competitive race walking?
2: Well, I uh, started racewalking in 2009. Uh, I was at the Utah Summer Games and I had uh, just barely finished a 3,000 meter racewalk. And a friend of mine says, Sierra, hey, how do you racewalk? And so I stood up and demonstrated the form for about 20 yards. Well, the guy that won the racewalk that day just walked up to me and he says, he says You have perfect form. You ought to actually do this. I says, Well, no. I don't do anything to do with long distance. Really, I'm, I am a sprinter, uh, and do field events. And he says, well, you really ought to try race walking. You have natural form at it and you ought to give it a go. And so six weeks later on that guy's advice, I, uh, entered the state games of America, America national championships and I entered the race walk, the shortest distance you could do, which was the 1500 meters. And I won the national title in my first race. And wow. so, uh, ever since then, I thought, well, maybe I had to look into this race walking stuff a little bit more. And, and from there, it took me two years, uh, to win, uh, my first gold medal, um, at the Huntsman world senior games uh, in race walking for my age bracket.
0: So, uh, talk about some natural talent, but then beyond that, you've, you've also worked really hard to perfect that technique. Talk a little bit about the technique. What What is the difference between race walking and, say, just walking fast?
2: Well, you basically have to create the illusion that you're making contact at all times <laughs> with the ground. That's uh, physically impossible, but, but it has to appear that way where you're making contact. And, and they have different penalties uh, that you can receive while race walking, uh, uh, lifting and... Um, is one of them, uh, and that's basically where you're uh, being a little bit on the airborne side. And so um, they, uh, uh, you can get warned during race walk races uh, if you are not maintaining contact, uh, uh, or if your form is incorrect, and
1: or the illusion so of contact.
2: I, 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 you need to, you, you need to be <laughs> making contact, and right. so. Uh, And and they also have a bent knee uh, rule where you have to lock your knee as you're pulling it uh, 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 in front of your hip uh, on your front stride. You have to have that knee locked. Uh, And if you don't, if you have a bent knee, you can receive a warning and then uh, uh, then a disqualification if the judge sees you do it again. And so between bent knee and lifting... Uh, Those are the two major uh, penalties in race walking that you receive a penalty and then a disqualification from that judge. And it takes three judges to disqualify you, three separate judges during a race. And so I've I've never been disqualified out out of a race. I I try and maintain good form when I do race uh, so that there's no issues in in regards to that.
0: Well, it sounds like you do have a, a natural ability to achieve that form. I'm curious, Eric, you may not know the answer to this, so if, if you don't, that's fine, but where did that straight knee come from? What What's the history of racewalk? Who was it that said, yeah, let's make sure that they have to keep their knee straight when it comes under their hip? Do you know the answer to that question?
2: Well, the, uh, it actually came about in the 1800s. Racewalking is, is one of the oldest Olympic events. Yeah, uh, A lot of people don't realize that it's also the longest Olympic event uh, in that they have a fifty uh, thousand meter race walk, which is about thirty-one miles uh, of race walking, maintaining that form. And, and if you've even done one mile of race walking, maintaining that form, it cramps up your your shins, your quadriceps, your hamstrings, your your uh, uh, your glutes. Uh, yeah, it can be brutal. It, 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 it is not easy uh, to, to maintain that. That's why I admire people that are able to go to the 50,000-meter distances because it, it's, it's uh, something difficult to do, uh, especially in the heat, uh, depending on when you're racing and where you're racing. It, it can be quite a challenge just to maintain the form for that distance.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. So it's an old sport. It's been around for a while. Um I think if we're if we're honest with ourselves, it, it does feel like it's falling out of popularity a little bit. Um, but there's still people out there that are doing it and competing in it. So what what would you say to somebody who's maybe on the fence about? eh, I don't know if race walking is for me or not. What what would you say to that person?
2: Well, I would say uh, to them to to check into race walking, and if they're able to uh, do the form, that that's wonderful. But they also have uh, a, 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 a newest sport of power walking in America that is becoming more popular throughout the country, and it's and it's it is, uh, uh, race walking but without having to lock your knee on the front stride, and so uh, and a lot more people are able to power walk quite fast uh, versus race walking. And here at the Huntsman World Senior Games, I am sure we have a record. popularity is rising in America, and even the National Senior Games is offering power walking, and it, it's a growing sport uh, that is getting more popular for people that can't uh, quite maintain the form uh, of race walking. So I, I encourage people in that direction, uh, because walking is one of the best things you can do for your health um, among all the different events as you age.
0: And, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was going to throw in a shameless pug plug for the Huntsman world senior games and, and <laughs> mentioned that we do offer both race walking and power walking. And just like you said, we, we had a great event this year, uh, plenty of athletes that competed, but plenty of room for new people who want to try it out. And, uh, we certainly encourage that Eric, you hit it right on the head that walking is one of the best exercises that we can do, especially if we're just starting out. And we talk a lot about start where you are, and then just go from there, and walking certainly allows us to do that. Eric, that's all the time that we've got to visit with you today, but thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck in all of your training and uh, upcoming meets, especially in 2020, as you set your sight on new goals and uh, achieve new, amazing things. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Bye,
0: Eric. Bye-bye. So, Jeff. Yes. If you're interested in seeing how some of these amazing athletes did at the Huntsman World Senior Games, the results are available on our website. Really? Where do you go? You go to seniorgames.net. .net, Net? okay. Yeah, it's easy to find, and those who have competed, that's a real validation of the work that they've put in. And for those who have not yet taken the opportunity or been able to take the opportunity to compete, it gives you an idea of where people are at and uh, allows you to set some goals for yourself. So if you're planning ahead, and you might as well plan ahead, the dates for the 2020 Huntsman World Senior Games are October 5th through the 17th, and we'd love to have you come out. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. You can also subscribe to our podcast, anywhere that podcasts are found. Once you subscribe, give us a rating, write a quick review. You can really help us uh, spread the word about the show as well as about the games. And, and really, more importantly, about living the active life, which is what which we're all about. really
1: most important thing, yes.
0: You can also find this and previous shows right on our website. Again, that site is SeniorGames.net, so check it out. Our inspirational thought comes from American poet Susie Kasem. Jeff, she says... Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Boy, is not the truth. Until next Thursday, stay active. Bye, everyone.